Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution Today. Delighted to be your podcast host. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. What else could you want? without you having to hire more staff and programmers or technologists. If you haven't done it lately, do yourself a big favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of this award-winning software today. And, of course, I am delighted to invite you to this podcast. I'm bringing back one of my favorite guests, Tom Super, head of property and casualty insurance at J.D. Power. And, of course, we talk about that at, uh, of which he is an expert. What does today's consumer really want? This conversation, I may have mentioned this story in the podcast itself, so I apologize if I'm being redundant. Uh, but I'm reminded um, when, uh, when I think about the uh, information that Tom delivers to the industry and uh, through this podcast to the industry, uh, I'm reminded of, of a classic uh, direct response full page ad that was in the fishing magazines for years. And the headline in big, bold letters was how fish think. And the idea was, gosh, if I actually knew how they thought, then I'd have an unfair advantage over them. And to some extent, uh, that is absolutely true. And certainly the inverse is true. If you don't know how, in this case, obviously, today's consumer, particularly the modern insurance consumer, thinks, then um, most likely you'd uh, be left farther and farther behind over time, not being able to attract them and not be able then to satisfy them. So um, Tom uh, and J.D. Power and the team at J.D. Power, um, as you are, I'm sure, quite aware, is uh, keeps their finger on the pulse of what today's consumer once they are um, as uh, according to their tagline the voice of the consumer so for those of you who uh, care about reaching the consumer um, attracting them uh, delivering value for them and delivering the uh, uh, kind of relationship that results in loyalty and obviously maximum customer lifetime value. This is an important conversation. I'm sure you'll want to listen to it at least once. And so um, without much further ado, I will bring you into this conversation. Of course, I'm going to remind you. If we've earned a five-star review, I'd love, sure would love to see one and uh, from you with your name. It would mean a ton to me. And, um, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn, Michael Jans, and follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. And now, without further ado, I promise and invite you to this conversation with my guest, Tom Super. Tom Super, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Michael. Always good to see you. And uh, 
Yeah, well, I'm excited about the conversation. Um, you know, as you know, um, Mr. Voice of the Consumer, um, <laughs> what what makes this conversation so interesting um, is that that you really help me approach what's happening with the independent insurance agent through the experience of the consumer. So there's been, uh, I can't remember when the last time it was off the top of my head that you were on the show, but usually, uh, yeah. you know, I certainly like to bring you back about at least once a year because you guys are doing so much um, analysis and research. So I'm, I'm going to start, first of all, if you would, for the listeners who don't know you as well as I do, Tom, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> so th thanks, Michael. Yeah, I'm the head of a uh, PNC practice here at JD Power. I've been with the organization for about four or five years now, you know, JD Power, right, prides itself uh, as the voice of the consumer. We go out, we are now past over a million uh, insurance consumers every year that we go out and collect information on their experience across the insurance value chain from shopping, which I, I think is the majority of, of our conversation here today. What's driving them to shop? Why are they selecting the brands that they, they do all the way through the value chain things as retention and servicing, claims, digital experience, independent agent experience across the gamut. We we take a look and, and we do the evaluation. We make that available to consumers at, at large, but also to insurance carriers to make sure that they are focusing on the things that, that consumers want. And it's also insight on how what consumers are thinking and how they're viewing the various brands that they're interacting with. And how those brands are competing with one another. So uh, always a pleasure to talk with you, Michael. I think we, uh, it was about a year ago, I think. Is yeah, I think it was about a year ago. Uh, yeah. we, we may have been, uh, just been in COVID. And I think one of the remarkable things that we talked about was the a fairly dramatic reduction in driving miles. Yes. Um, so right. so uh, this is um, in some ways, well, this is a bit of an unfair advantage for an agent to actually understand how consumers are thinking. Um, it reminds me a bit of um, an ad. I don't know if it's still there, but it used to be in the fishing magazines, like Field and Stream. And it was and it was a full page ad, and they were sent. They were selling a like a fish finder, right? That would kind of sonar the the depths, and you could find your fish. And the headline was "How Fish Think." And, um, <laughs> it, you know, so yeah. I think the fisherman who was looking at that would say, "Oh God, if I knew how fish." think then you know <laughs> I've got, I, i'm, I'm, I'm going to beat everybody else right so um this is sort of our version of that how how yeah, does the insurance consumer here, though, right that's that's <laughs> a little bit beyond our purview that's for sure all right so um so since we've spoken you've yeah. been up to a lot uh, the world's been up yeah. to a lot insurance consumers apparently according to some of your research they've been up to a lot too so uh what is what what is today's consumer thinking about yeah, I mean, this is right. We're coming just off of historic times. Um, I think that, as you mentioned last time that we talked, I think uh, we saw, you know, just miles driven plummet. It was at 55% of really where, where it bottomed out. We saw a lot of rebound in the miles driven, but it's interesting. Uh, driving behaviors have, have changed. Um, you know, obviously people are, uh, you know, working more from home. Uh, the commuting is, is definitely different at, at off-peak hours. Uh, those types of things are, are driving very different behaviors in, you know, frequency and severity, right? Uh, you know, the, the types of accidents, we're seeing the average miles 
per hour driven is, is at a higher rate as, as people are driving in less congested hours, which is driving higher severity. Other things as well around that, it's just, it, it's a really interesting uh, disruption uh, that that whole endeavor had really created. The, the, the most interesting takeaway, you know, in, in speaking with consumers is, you know, those that, uh, and how they've been affected by the pandemic and how that has really influenced their outlook on auto insurance and their interaction and expectations with carriers. So, you know, those that had been financially impacted uh, by the pandemic, that is either losing a job, um, you know, being furloughed, reduced in work hours, those types of things really spiked in, in terms of overall shopping activity as they're looking to save money. Um, we also were, were interested in finding that uh, 54% of total consumers did not take any action uh, during the pandemic, which, uh, you know, is an indication for us that they just had other things on their mind, uh, even though we're, you know, insurance uh, geeks and in the business, you know, they were more concerned about, you know, their health and, and putting food on the table. So, you know, while we did find, uh, you know, certain segments of the of the market being impacted and, and really looking at ways to save money and, and auto insurance being a big, a big part of that. We also, you know, take a step back and say, where does insurance fall in your priority of, of life events? And we did find that, you know, 54% of consumers didn't take any action at all, uh, whether it's suspending coverages, you know, increasing deductibles or doing anything like that. And the changes that we did see happen very early on from March all the way through like mid, mid uh, summer, everything that we're seeing now uh, is really a return to kind of those cyclical norms that, that we've uh, become accustomed to within the industry. So, uh, so Tom, are you saying that the, the pandemic year was a, a one-off or do you think it had um, or accelerated trends? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's going to be some areas that are going to be affected more than others. Um, so, you know, one of those areas is just around digital interactions. Um, we've been monitoring that um, and we did see a, a spike in digital expectations and preferences and usage rates. Um, we expect those levels to continue to be higher. Um, it has been following a multi-year trend where people are expecting to be able to interact through multiple channels in order to get in, in touch with their insurance company. Um, so we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. At the same time, people are who they are. Um, you know, uh, they, you know, those people that prefer working with an agent, uh, still prefer working with an agent. Uh, those that prefer working through other uh, channels are going to continue to work through those as well. Um, it's just, you know, the, the manner in which they're, they're interacting with them, as well as the expectations that they're bringing through those experiences, right? So if they are going to interact digitally or interact through, through an agent channel, they're expecting that experience to go right and go swimmingly. Um, and that's, you know, certainly another takeaway from, from this whole ordeal has been just the rising expectations that consumers are bringing to these experiences, um, and that, that's also something that we, we don't see slowing down anytime soon. Uh, all right. So you said a couple of things I want to zero in on. Um, the first one, digital interaction. So, so when you 
use that term, digital interaction. Uh, are you referring to um, specifically to the ability to, let's say, uh, quote and bind online? Or um, uh, is there a kind of a broader interpretation of it? Does it include the ability to uh, communicate, let's say, with an agent on whatever, you know, chatbot or uh, online or, uh, you know, with their an SMS text? What, what when, when consumers are thinking digital um, uh, interaction, What's important to them? Yeah, uh, well, you know, that's a that's a good question. It's really across the gamut of their insurance experience. When we've talked about before, you know, consumers don't interact with with channels; they interact with brands, right? And when they want to resolve a problem, they go to the brand first, and that's where the, the that's where the experience really resides. So. You know, we find a spike in uh, digital interaction when it comes to uh, onboarding, right, in the acquisition process as carriers have made investments to integrate agents into the overall acquisition uh, experience through through digital channels. That's been something that's been happening for a number of years, right? If you go online, you get a quote, you get a follow-up from an agent, you could bind online and you're, you know, assigned an agent in your local community. Those types of integration touch points are, will continue. But we're also seeing, you know, downstream, right? If you look at things like uh, claims processing, 82% of all consumers now mention using digital at some point during the claims process, which is, as we all know, a key moment of truth in, in the low touch, low engagement category that is insurance. So, you know, uh, the, the expectation is that, uh, you know, those types of capabilities are going to continue to play a more and more important role in the overall insurance experience. Uh, and obviously, if you think about interactions outside the insurance industry, your expectations around multi-channel, omni-channel, that, that is translating to insurance consumers as well. Got it. All right. So the other thing I wanted to circle uh, uh, back to was um, your statement that um, – well, I, I think largely people haven't fundamentally changed. And so the person, the, the demographic, the consumer who uh, prefers an agent probably still wants an agent. Safe to say. OK. Um, and, and so who is that to the to the best of our understanding? Who is that person? Well, I mean, uh, so they're, they tover, tend to over index in cert certain categories. Um, but, you know, it tends to be someone that has you know, more assets, more complex insurance expectation relationship that they're unable to manage through digital channels today or, or other types of interactions. And also, you know, we've found that this is a conversation we may have had previously, which is, you know, one of the key metrics that insurance carriers are looking at today is around customer lifetime value, right? That's been a huge one, especially as you overlay that against cost of acquisition. So uh, the, the CLV versus CAC is, is kind of the, the internal terminology that gets thrown around a lot. And, you know, when you look at, um, well, what types of customers are attracted to various channels? How are they interacting? You know, independent agents as well as captive agents have historically done a very good job when it comes to capturing and servicing the more complex uh, consumer. And, and that continues to be the case, uh, especially within commercial lines, uh, definitely uh, outpacing any other uh, channel in that regard. 
And, you know, right now, as those digital uh, investments are still lagging uh, the offline interactions with agents, uh, those consumers are still finding a lot of value in that agent relationship. And, it, you know, it, it's in our estimation, it, it, it's an indication of the need to double down on the value of the agent, which is around personalization, customization, knowing your customer, being able to offer insights and recommendations that, uh, the digital experience or, you know, increasingly a, a uh, you know, AI or, or machine learning type of capability will not be able to capture in the future and demonstrating that value. So, you know, that that is the type of thing that that we would recommend when it comes to agents is making sure that they're focusing on the value uh, that they're bringing to the market, making sure that they're then translating that and demonstrating the value to their carrier partners to say, Look at the type of business I'm attracting, and it's in your interest to continue to do invest in in me because I'm bringing a higher value uh, asset on, onto your book. Um, uh, all right. So, as I think I'd mentioned to you before this conversation, I had a conversation with somebody else from JD Power uh, yesterday, and and so he brought up the exact same point that you just did, and I think it's so important. I want to zero in on that for a moment. Uh, the relationship between CAC and CLV or customer acquisition costs and customer lifetime value. Uh, so I, I, is it right that, um, uh, would you say that there's, that carriers are under some pressure and, um, and, and, and that, um, metric that you referred to the ratio of, of cost to value is something that they're going to be, um, Oh, scrutinizing in the agency force? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, you know, if you look at the signals across m the major carriers, that's been, uh, if, if you want to see what's driving a lot of their actions, it really is that, right? So, you know, Allstate is a good one. The, 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 diff the changes that, and investments that they've made around their business and how they're evolving that. Yeah, another good one is Progressive. Progressive is the one that, you know, is setting the, the the pace for the industry, not only in terms of growth, you know, they, they, they're they set to overtake uh, Geico next year as the second largest, actually it'll be this year sometime, sorry, it'll be this year sometime as the second largest auto carrier. And, you know, they are outpacing them in terms of capabilities, uh, a, a lot of these direct providers. And what what is one of the hallmarks that Progressive is able to do? They're able to write across and close various segments of the consumer market. They start off as a non-standard insurer, right? That's the origin in the late 90s, all, all the way up into, I think, the mid 2000s. They have now progressed up to, you know, monoline auto across the standard and even preferred. And now if you look at their their intentions to to move and, and capture where the traditional agent-based carriers have, have excelled, which is the more complex omni-channel in, in so they're able to write to all markets, right? A customer comes in today, they have these types of profiles, they're able to offer a price that is going to generate profit uh, to the carrier. If you look at the two biggest acquisitions over the last year, it was um, Allstate's acquisition of NatGen and State Farm's acquisition of Gainsco. Those were indications of being able to also write successfully across a wider swath of, of the overall consumer marketplace. So your ability as an agent to say, okay, what is the value that I'm providing in that cost of acquisition, right? And 
how can I add increased value when they're able to write against these various segments of the market? It's, you know, I am bringing in customers that have more attractive underwriting profiles. Um, you know, yes, my, my overall cost to acquire them might be higher because of the commissions and the other things, but the value that I'm providing to you as a carrier offsets those higher costs. So, you know, that is the fundamental value proposition that, um, that, you know, carriers are making today around that. And you can see, you know, it's not a movement away from agents by any means. It's about making sure that, that the agents offset some of the other channels that you're currently using today. Progressive being a perfect example, people forget about, you know, a lot of progressive growth is coming from the independent agent channel. Um, They continue to make significant investments in getting that channel right. So, um, but what they want to be able to do is have a very strong brand that attracts consumers to them. And if they're, you know, consumer A, that's 25 years old and gone in a lot of accidents or consumer B, that is, you know, 50 years old and has multiple assets, I can price you correctly. I can bring you on the book and, and turn you into a profitable customer over over time. And if agents can 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 continue to make that uh, uh, that determination on behalf of carriers and help them in that regard, that that adds the value of what an agent brings to to an insurance carrier. All right. A um, couple of questions. One, um, I, I guess I would assume that the a carrier's formula for customer lifetime value is relatively simple. Uh, that, that it probably includes um, uh, a premium times projected number of years of retention, something really fairly standard like that. Yeah, and uh, there's other factors, uh, things like propensity to get in, you know, have uh, lost. Yeah. Okay. So underwrite. So so good uh, field underwriting matters, and then yeah. um, and then nurturing and maintaining um, uh, long term relationships matter yeah and of course of course i in in uh roughly one hour and 12 minutes i'm i'm delivering a uh training to my agency clients on uh maximum customer lifetime value right yeah and 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 the the math on it from an agent's point of view the math on it is astonishing how um how tweaking, uh, you know, just a few things. And, you know, your friends over at Bain and company and the research department, they did some work on that, that I thought was outstanding that, that when you, when you earn the loyalty, right, the, the customer will reward you with longer retention, uh, more policies per customer and more referrals. And when you compound those things against each other, yes. um, well, in fact, I also just created a spreadsheet that shows this, that the, um, the value to the agency is absolutely tremendous. And of course, largely, you know, except for book rolls and things like that, or, or distributed policies, that, that value gets passed upstairs to the carrier. So, yeah. Yep. So, so really, yep. it, in, in, in my view, um, the uh, customer, the agency, and the carrier uh, have interests that are really very much um, in line with each other. If they're, if they're suited for the agency channel and they uh, place a value on protection, then yep. obviously the more protection they have, everybody benefits from that. And if there's a high level of customer satisfaction, everybody benefits from that. So there is a really a, a strong alignment if we select the right demographic. If we're in the wrong demographic and they're really looking for cheaper price, then uh, this probably isn't the channel. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think that's it's, 
you know, I, I would add to that the stakes are higher than they have ever been. Um, right. Okay. You know, it's, I agree with that, you know, in, and I, I would, you know, the way that you think about segmentation, you know, it varies across the various carriers. Right. Um, so, you know, it goes beyond demographics to, to other factors, but, but at the heart of what you said is absolutely right. And, and I think, you know, when you look at just the competitive nature, right, the industry is a slow growth industry, right? We only have about 2% new entrants every year. So, you know, your growth within your business, within your carrier is often coming at the expense of another carrier, right? So zero sum game. And, and that is where, you know, the stakes are even higher to not only are you growing, but are you growing profitably with, with consumers that, that, you know, deliver those things that you just said, right? Longer value over their lifetime, um, stronger referrals, um, you know, those types of things. That's where, you know, increasingly uh, the focus for the industry is at, is making sure that they're, you know, being more sophisticated around what types of customers that they're bringing in and making sure that they're pricing them, right? And what's interesting is there's more and more tools that are now available to carriers than there's ever been, you know, with things like telematics, right? You see new competitors like Root and, and other things, the things that are getting offering new capabilities around assessing risk and ultimately sort towards that, uh, that value element that you talked about, which is how can I assess a, a customer that would bring the highest value to my business over the long term and at, at the most effective price. And, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's a really interesting dynamic that is, that is adding to the acquisition, uh, you know, battlefield that, that yeah. we have on today. All right. Um, so again, you said something that that really has piqued my interest, and and um, I'm not certain I bring enough attention to that. And I think you're the guy to help me do that. Um, well, you know, we'll often look in in this podcast series, we'll often be looking at changes in consumer behavior, changes in technology, uh, friendly technology, unfriendly technology, uh, with the emergence of new channels. Uh, but um, there's uh, there's a some sea change going on at the carrier level as well. There's a, a uh, you know car carriers are under considerable pressure as well. So um, w what I'm curious about is what do you see as the as the trends that are happening from the suppliers that will have an impact on the independent agency as distributors? Yeah, uh, so that's a great question. I, I think one of the things that is first and foremost on the mind for a lot of carriers beyond what we just talked about is is rising severity costs. Um, that's something that has been uh, something that uh, has been a, a pretty significant impact uh, over the last couple of years to carriers. They're trying to monitor why that is. Um, we don't see that slowing down anytime soon, right? We see inflationary factors that are going to add uh, to that. Plus, you know, the, the introduction of ADAS features into the U.S. park, you know, right now, 70% of all new vehicles have some automated vehicle feature in it, you know, so if you think about, you know, the cost to repair that, you know, a bumper is no longer a bumper, it's, you know, it's a machine, you know, <laughs> got all these features and, it, it, you know, we're seeing the cost that that has. So, you know, this is, um, you know, at the heart of it, it really is a higher stakes scheme 
for if you get this this wrong, right, you're seeing costs go up significantly. You're seeing a, a higher concentration of uh, focus on being able to attract the right customers at the right price. So from an agent perspective, right, if you're not if you're not adding to that equation, it's very different than what the role of the agent was, you know, the 20, even 10 years ago, right, where the agent was the tip of the spear of the relationship in order to interact with a carrier, you had to go through an agent in order to get an insurance policy. It's really evolved to more, how does the agent help me accelerate where I'm going to win in the market today? And that, you know, is, uh, you know, making sure that you're attracting the right customers, that you're making sure that they're, they have the right coverages, that there's greater transparency around those types of things. So, when they do experience a claim that they have for the right coverages that you know there isn't a, a you know a, a sense of uh, misalignment on what you know what they would get let's say in the event of a total loss for their vehicle value and those types of things so the relationship of an agent has become more complex i would say in many different ways to adding that higher end value to to the uh, to the carriers that they work yeah all right um, you said something else that <clears throat> Um, well, it, I, it, it intrigues me um, strategically, uh, and uh, it, so you shared something I wasn't aware of, and it, and it makes me wonder why it's happening. So I think you said that sometime this year, Progressive will overtake GEICO. Yes. All right. Um, well, to the extent that uh, yeah, my, I'm not going to ask you to share any confidences you've got about, you know, with, with any clients, but to the extent that you can share what's going on that's that's a pretty fascinating factoid and 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 might be indicative of something if 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 nothing else then perhaps uh, you know one company had a sort of a stronger strategic initiative but it's that's pretty interesting why why is that yeah. what's going on well i mean we're just seeing the, the strength that progressive is have been uh you know building over the last several years um so you know they were always neck and neck in terms of uh, you know kind of market share, Geico was out ahead of them. But you know based on and these are based on estimates that we're developing within JD Power. So if we you know looking at current growth trends of Progressive that we don't see slowing down or not signaling any any slowdown anytime soon, just based on those projections, uh, it is you know it is very likely that sometime during this year that in terms of market share that they will become the second largest. Just, uh, you know, just in terms of gains. Um, and, and this is, a, a, you know, a reflection of their strategy, right, um, to, to grow multi-line across various segments. Um, they're also investing heavily in, in various capabilities. So, you know, it's, it's always be viewed as kind of a neck and neck race among those two providers when it comes to the direct and direct to consumer space. But, you know, in our estimation, you know, Progressive is currently leading the pack. Uh, it's certainly showing up in terms of their growth rate overall, and, and, and they're showing some separation in terms of capabilities on the back end as well. So when we think about, you know, disruption that's happening, you know, with it, you know, across the insurance landscape and a lot of attention is, is put on insure techs like Lemonade and some others. And there's, those are certainly ones that, you know, we, we monitor and keep our eyes on, but perhaps the greatest disruption is coming from within uh, on players like Progressive. And others that uh, that are continuing to 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 achieve double digit growth um, within a very you know very competitive market landscape. Um, to 
to watch the evolution of progressive over a few decades is sort of a pretty fascinating because I think you can, you know, d dial the clock back far enough and progressive was kind of like 40,000 appointments and 40,000 independent insurance agents. And it was always there as kind of an accommodation for the non-standard, right? Um, yep. and, and so everybody had it and very few had it as kind of a primary carrier. Now, um, it's, uh, it, well, it's, it's evolved its brand, it's evolved its strategy, and obviously it's grown tremendously. So I, I would, I would add in that I think, you know, one of the things, if you look at one of the largest strategic mistakes that, 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 you know, the large incumbents have made, I think it, if they reflect back over the last 20 years is allowing the progressive and others to define themselves, not only as a cost-effective alternative, but at the same time, having very like capabilities in the minds of consumers. And, you know, that was something that we have reported on in, in our shopping study this year, is that brand perception of people, uh, of carriers like progressive have moved up market in being seen as not only price competitive, but also improving their brand reputation as, as well overall. You know, if you compare that to other industries, you know, you think about players like Walmart or Target, consumers view them as price competitive, but they view their quality as subpar, as inferior to other, you know, retail or luxury brands. Uh, the insurance industry has done um, a disservice to itself to almost chase the low-cost model. And in fact, every message that you hear in the market today is we're the cheapest and how you could save money. And what's happening is what we're finding in the mind of consumers this year is less and less brand differentiation among those top carriers to where they see the premium difference that they should be paying for someone like a a state farm or travelers compared to a, a, a Geico or progressive, they have done a good job from their perspective of narrowing that differentiation. And at the same time, the carriers have done a, a poor job of allowing a low cost alternative to position themselves as having like capabilities. Okay. Um, so Tom, um, where do, where do you see, so now we're, you know, still, well, no, no, we've actually wiped out the first quarter of the year. All right. So it's already May. Um, but when you, when you look at 2021, um, what do you, what do you see is like things that we need to pay attention to? Cause it's obviously, it's, it's a, it's a very different year than 2020, though it's probably influenced by it. What, what do you see? What are the trends? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your last question, Michael. What 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 do you see is what's really important in 2021? Agency force I think uh, it sounds like um, really important uh, strategic initiatives are uh, right client, maximum customer lifetime value. Yeah. So 21 21 is going to be a uh, an important year. Sorry, it's having technical difficulties here. Um, yeah, so 2021 is going to be a really critical year uh, uh, because what's going to happen is you're going to see a stabilization of consumer behaviors, right, coming out of the COVID cycle, number one. 
Uh, and then two, they're going to be entering in a, into this competitive landscape where, uh, you know, it, it, the competition is going to be higher than, it, than it's ever been. So, you know, from an, from an independent agent as well as carrier perspective, one of the things that we're recommending is a focus on increased local sophistication and intelligence, right? So, uh, you know, things like uh, what happened in Texas earlier this year, right, with, with, the, with the hail storms and the, and the snow and everything that happened down there, was that an opportunity uh, to look at, you know, how consumers were being impacted and as an opportunity to, to look at that there was increased shopping and switching activity and did you want to re- reprioritize there? You're seeing, you know, things like migration trends, um, consumers moving to warmer climate areas like, like in your backyard. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and down in, you know, places like Texas and Florida and things like that. And, you know, those types of insights, right, says, okay, well, not only where are consumers shopping, right, geographically, but then looking at what actions your competitors are taking within those markets and making sure that you're positioning yourself successfully. So, you know, maybe an insurance agent, you know, within uh, the greater Phoenix area, you know, know, if if your competitors are growing at double digit uh, annually, you know, growing at 5% isn't enough compared to someone that is in the Midwest that is just looking doing their best to make sure that they're, they're maintaining levels that they saw in the previous years in, in terms of, of, of PIF size. So, you know, just different competitive dynamics within each of those different areas. And one of the things that we have, you know, really couched uh, or coached our uh, carrier partners around is, is being more sophisticated when it comes to local market intelligence. Um, I have, um, I've got one last question for you. Um, in um, a summary of one of your reports, you indicated that, uh, I'll read this part of the report, customers continue migration to big brands. The top five insurers, in terms of total premiums, now account for 60% of all auto insurance premiums, up from 44% to Um is that a, a trend that uh, you reliably predict to continue, and what do you think the consequence of that is? Yeah, this is this has been on a, a steady trajectory for a number of years. Um, brands matter, right? Big, big brands matter. Um, you know, all the money that these carriers are pumping into the marketplace, right? It's it, it's having an effect on the, the consumer marketplace overall. Um, and you know, over the last year, we saw another three percent. A rotation of of consolidation of the top five carriers controlling sixty percent of their overall market. This is up from fifty seven percent in the prior year. So this is um, you know it's a, it's a trend that is is continuing. Um, and so what you know what does that mean? That means that um, uh, you know that when you're working with you know your carrier partners, making sure that you're having a good um, uh, options uh, of various carriers that you work with, you're going to have to probably spend some time educating them and convincing them on why maybe a smaller carrier is something that you would want to consider over a big brand for which they are more uh, comfortable or more familiar with. One of the, one of the things just to, to, to say about this is that, you know, over the last few years, we've seen this empowerment trend around consumers, consumers having more power more power in the shopping process. And I think we've talked about this, you know, even in a previous conversation that, 
you know, in the absence of having a, a physical product that they can see, they're defaulting to those things that they know and they, they, they trust. And that is the brands that they see, the referrals that they get from friends and family and the price. And it's really those different factors. And then, you know, if an agent can also be a factor and that's basically justifying why a, a different insurer that they may not recognize would be a better option for them. That's going to be something that a hurdle that that's becoming more of a, of a challenge that they may have not had in prior years. Right. Um, well, Tom, before we go, um, uh, tell us uh, if you can, what's up and what's new with JD Power because I know you've got some new stuff. Yeah, I, we've been you know making a lot of investments around um, the intersection between auto and insurance. We are really excited uh, about uh, some of the things that we have in our pipeline around that. Right, so you see the OEMs. Uh, making movement. You see announcements around Tesla and what they're doing with insurance. And uh, and then obviously the capabilities that we have within JD Power and, and what we've been doing for a number of years in the space. And we hope to be, you know, have an important voice of seeing this trend, see the implications that it has as some of the things that we talked about earlier as vehicle, it's become more complex on the road, the implications that that has on insurance and then, you know, vice versa, the impact that insurance will have in potentially designing and the, the, the way that, you know, OEMs are thinking about bringing cars to market. Uh, so it's, you know, we're on the precipice of a very interesting time within our industry with all these uh, forces that we kind of alluded to on, on today's call. It, it certainly this is industry is going to look very different in the last five years and or in the next five years. And, um, you know, the role of the, insur the independent agent, we believe, will continue to play a, a crit critical role, but it'll be it'll evolve. Right. It'll change, uh, you know, thinking about that strategic value that they're that they're offering in this new new competitive landscape. Got it. Um, Tom, um, for anybody who wants to l learn more, I, I always find it um, of, a, of a, a lot of value to track what your company is up to what the kind of studies uh, that you're up to. And so I, I make a point of subscribing or monitoring your, your press releases and so on and so forth. Uh, for, for agents or others, any listener who, who wants to keep their finger on the pulse of what J.D. Power is up to, or if they have questions, how do you suggest they do that? Well, they can always reach out. Online is a, is a great way to go out there. There's things that they can subscribe to. Uh, there's... Uh, reports that we release on a quarterly basis and what's happening in the market today, other thought leadership that we're always putting out there. So going to our website, jdpower.com and then backslash business and finding the insurance industry. And that's where you find the latest and greatest thinking that we have to offer. All right. Uh, Tom, as always, a, uh, it was a pleasure uh, uh, getting your perspective, a pleasure catching up with you. And I appreciate you sharing some time with us today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Michael. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.